My name is Nosa Iyari, and welcome to another episode. Today, I have Mohamed Juma on the podcast. What's up, Mohamed? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. And Mohamed and I have been working closely now for the last few months, and I've been trying to get him on the podcast. He's been ready, actually, for a few months. I've just been the one dragging my feet, so I'm glad we're able to do this today. Hey, thank you for having me. Perfect, perfect. And Mohamed, <laughs> you're, you're a very interesting um, individual, and we've talked a little bit off air about your experience being born in Sudan, living some of your life for a large chunk of your life in a refugee camp, eventually emigrating to the U.S. and now being like a, a permanent resident and all that. And I'd like to touch on that. Uh, but before we go ahead, what's up with you, man? What, what have you been up to this week? Man, um, I, I don't know. how We are living in a really weird time, and um, I hope things will, will turn around, you know, to like the old good days, you can call it. But um, I can't complain, and um, I always thank God for what I have on my table right now. And um, the struggle is still going, so... The struggle continues, yeah. I agree. It's just, uh, the, the life of an immigrant is a constant hustle. Yeah. You did mention immigrant. Um, I personally didn't immigrate it. Uh, I, there's a difference between immigrants and refugees and asylees. And asylees, got it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, and here in U.S., there's this, this different um, categories that um, de define people on on their. Um, U.S. is just weird. I can say. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I flee my country because of of the civil war in my country and um we we got the opportunity to go to our neighboring country which is kenya and there's a refugee camp that they host um refugees we th that's that's how refugees refugee is when um you um let me define the word refugee like how UNICEF or the united nation define it i need to be in that in that specific categories to be eligible or to, to be eligible basically to be called refugee mm -hmm. so Refugee is someone who has been um, forced um, to flee his or her country because of um, persecution or war or violence. So refugee has also well funded, uh, funded by um, um, by different reasons. So you need to be whether I mean either um, um, a special immigrant, not a special immigrant, but you need to be a victim of the um, country or either the country um, there's a war. You can if if you flee the country because of political reason, then you are an immigrant at that point. Okay, so what what then is an asylee? Um, so a refugee is if something happens that affects a whole number of people, right, and you have to leave the country, those groups of people, maybe a million people, go to the neighboring country and they become refugees in that other country. What then is an asylee when you're seeking asylum? When do we use that term? So we, we use the term asylee. So asylee is when you um, flee your country and you went to a different country and you you seek or you you find a way to apply for for asylum. You will be in that status for for a little while before you get granted asylum. Asylum. So, so that means you have to be a refugee first, then apply for asylum before you become an asylee. No, refugee refugees uh, um. It's a whole different status from asylum. asylum. I'll give example of asylees. So um, people from North, um, South America, I can say, if they came to the border, they will, or if they enter to the United States, they will look for um, asylum status. So if you 
um, got the asylum started, then you can apply for your permanent residence. If, but refugees, um, you will go a lot of um, about 10 to 12 screening before you will um, be approved for a refugee status. Mm -hmm. Once you get the refugee status, then you will be resettled to a different country and then you will get your permanent residence. Interesting. So yeah. it's a whole very complex framework, which I know a lot of my listeners might not necessarily be aware of. But, you know, I myself living as an immigrant in the U.S., not necessarily a, a refugee or asylum. Like I get to interact with the community and just get to meet a whole lot of people. Yeah. So to give it some context, let's try to talk about your story. And maybe in talking about your story, we can get to understand you know, some of these complexities. Can you? So you were born in Sudan, right? Yeah. Um, you were born in Sudan, what, 60 years ago now? 65 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay, well, you, you were born in Sudan. Um, can you actually remember Sudan before the war? Like, you must have been a very little kid, but what can you remember about growing up? Um, I, I can say... Um, I, the extended family. Um, um, you will not know the value of the family until you flee the country or you you actually stay away from from the uh, the family. Mm. So your extended family is is um, those who are around the extended family. I think it's a huge blessings, and uh, I miss that because I'm not around my extended um, family now. I I don't get to see my grandma, and um, you know days with grandma is just is, is is beautiful. Other thing is is the nature before the war came um, in, in the country. So those are the stuff that I really did miss. I missed a lot of my friends. At the time I was young, so I don't really... Wait, let me, let me stop you there. Is extended yeah. family a big thing in Sudan? Because where I come from, like in Nigeria, a lot of people just tend to focus on their immediate family. Mm. Like, because, you know, when you say extended family, you're talking, you know, politics for a good number of people. Let me not say everyone. Like mm. Some people are cool with everyone in your family. But when you're talking about uncles, aunties, cousins, you're talking like family meetings, you know, politics. Yeah, you see, you have situations where different families, maybe there were different wives. There's one faction and there's the other faction and there's jealousy. And, you know, one part of the family might be making more money than the other one. Is that how how is the extended family that important in Sudan? Is it is it that everyone lives together, both extended family and everyone under one roof or in close proximity or just that communal African, you know, cultural thing that all family is your family and there's no such thing as extended family. Like, That's also one um, way you can say, but what I mean by extended family is um, it, you you have people that they can stand with you in, in a tough times um, mm. with, within um, the particular, if there's an issue. Um, back in my home, um, all the family, regardless of the problem that we have, if there's issue in the family, people will step up and, and that's, that's the beauty of the extended um, family. I miss that here when, when I fled um, Sudan because of the war was in, in Kenya. In Kenya, I wasn't having a lot of extended family. And um, it's just me and my brothers uh, at, the, at the time. But again, if something happened, I, like, I miss the, the whole um, um, family 
Um, I don't know if you got my point. I do, I do, and that yeah. makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I, it must have been hard. How old were you? Because I interviewed someone from South Sudan, uh, Mer Miriam Dangasa. Okay. Um, I want to say maybe that was like episode thirty something. Um, but you know, she she always tells me how she's from South Sudan, and you know, they were predominantly like Christians, and there was like Northern Sudan that were like Muslims, and that those are the two parts of the country that fought. Because she eventually also fled to Kenya, and eventually I think moved to I want to say Scotland mm -hmm. or, or Netherlands, and one of those two. Um, was that what? What do you think, in your opinion, was the origin of the conflict, and is that accurate to say it was between the North and the South? Um, I can speak a little. Um, about that, um, I I don't know the uh, um, the business behind the whole war since the independence um, from British um, and um, especially our region in South Sudan, um, they they um, face a lot of challenges. Um, when when we got independent, our independence, they left the power in the north of Sudan, and they didn't include um, um, all states to um, you know participate on on the power at that time. And those who are in, in, in North Sudan, they 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 use that power to um, for for themselves. It's mainly one or two tribes, and um, they did very well. Um, um, they very much they they took Sudan as their own um, um, country, and other opinion of other people doesn't matter. And there there was a there's there was a racism within. You can't believe it, but there's a racism between. We have some people a little bit of lighter skin than others, and they use that, you know, as they are better than the other um, fellow So students. if you're light-skinned in Sudan, they, they see themselves as better historically yeah. than other people. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they, they use that, and um, um, uh, they started um, um, the fight. So the fight was between the governments and what people... As the government what, concentrated in the north yeah. by northern people. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We have some leaders that ask for basic rights. Um, uh, up to now, you know, some there's some regions that there's no um, basic needs. Um, people are suffering from that. The country got um, the petroleum, got other um, minerals that, um, um, but some of the states and some of the regions, they are not getting um, even like, the benefit. Yeah, like mm -hmm. the benefit. Um, so um, what was the South Sudan? Um, it went for a long time. Um, but finally, they got their independence. Um, very happy for them, but at the same time, I'm sad because we divided the country. Mm -hmm. And then the war shifted to my region, which is in in Darfur, and uh, with the concept of oh, you're from Darfur. I am. Yeah. Interesting. Have yeah. you watched Black Hawk Down, the movie? Yeah, I did. I was in Darfur, right? <laughs> yeah. Bill Clinton. Get, yeah, with Bill Clinton. In yeah. the nineties. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they shot that video um, part of it in, in, I mean, the movie part of it in Darfur and part of it in uh, also Somalia. Mm. Yeah, but the war shifted there in our region because... Um, where exactly is Darfur? Is that in the north or the south? It's in the west. So the west. now okay. it's considered in the north of Sudan, but it is a whole different um, state. Um, it's in the... Um, um, west of Sudan, whereas um, Libya, Chad, um, Central Africa, and now South Sudan as well. So um, when it shifted there, we don't know how to, um, people don't know how to respond. People don't know how to um, protect themselves because of the injustice. And there wasn't a lot of benefit. So we had to flee um, the, the, the region at the time. 
How, how was that process like? Do you remember the day if, uh, I don't know how old you were, but do you remember the day did your, your father just come and say, look, everybody, you know, let's get out. You guys got in the bus and you moved to the border. Like, how was that situation exactly of fleeing Darfur? I, I do remember that situation when it first happened. I remember it was six, um, five o'clock, six a.m. Um, we, we, we heard a gun, um, um, shot like in the west of um the village that we were in uh, we were in the village called Zawia. Zawia. so we had like yeah 5 a.m in the morning we, we had the gunshot uh, gunshot and uh, people were running from that village coming to us was in the west and that's the time we knew we we had to we have to leave the whole village just with were just ready to to go my dad and my uncles i remember they started digging in the uh in the ground to just um uh, put some belonging there and um we, wow, like some money and something. Yeah. Were they expecting to come back or they, they were not sure? We wasn't sure if um, we were coming back. And I don't remember, since that, we, we didn't went back. Wow. So yeah. those things might still be there. Yes. Some stuff mm. was still uh, under the ground now. So they, they dig a hole, big um, hole in the ground and put some belonging there, the heavy belonging there. And uh, we, we took the lighter stuff. I remember we, we used um, camels and we did use um, donkeys and some horses for that transportation from that village to another village until we were looking just how, for a safer place. How far was the village from Zawe where you guys went to? So the the capital or the, the city of, of, of the the state that I am in, it's called Al-Jinena. 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 And um, it took us, I remember the whole day we were walking to get to that city. Um, yeah, again, because um, the roads and uh, um, this these things. So we had to, the skids also at that time, I remember, mm. and we have to like uh, sit, relax a little bit, and then um, some kids. Are, are you the firstborn? I am the firstborn. I remember we had to change um, um, seat, I can call it, right, on, on the on the donkey for, so like for, for a while. So you you will be in the donkey and for like half an hour an hour so and you come down, you come down and then someone else would be on the donkey yeah, yeah. wow so it was that struggle and remember was the whole family like no one was left behind the whole village oh the whole you wow. see like the whole village um i, I remember um, I was with other kids now, even with my parents at the time, because just the whole village, villages are just going. I'm looking going. for safety. Yeah, everything is basically. What, what, was the was the was that trip like a day? Was it more than a day? It was a day. I One day. When okay. We reached, so you were able to get to the other village by nightfall or something. Yeah, we got to the city by I think at twelve a.m. From I think uh, from ten a.m. when of uh, uh, like when my dad and my uncles they finished um um. When they finished um, putting the blanking under the ground, it took us yeah until midnight to reach the city, and it was safe at that uh, in that city because again the war was in the village village. We heard the government funded this um, regime to just um, wipe this uh, village, and they would need it. I think at the time um, the 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 government they wanted to resettle people. I heard from um, different Arab nations to um, resettle in that in that location. Mm. So, but again, I don't know what's the business behind it. I don't know who funded this to happen and who's. I mean, you were young, so you know it was yeah. difficult to yeah to know. But that must have been traumatic. Did you have any questions for your parents? Like, I, I can imagine what your dad. Maybe who was in in charge of like making sure your family was like you know up and doing and making sure everyone was accounted for. Was it your dad and your and your uncle and his brother? 
or was your mom involved? What was that situation like? When when we were um, when the whole bridges are gone, I wasn't with my mom and my dad at the time. I wasn't with my family. Mm. So you were just with a group of I was just villagers, group just of everyone villages. going. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I ended up I ended up with some some um, fellow village villagers. I can't Did remember they know them now. That at least you were in the line somewhere, or and they, they find you later, or nobody was sure. Nobody was sure. I wasn't oh, even sure where my family are, where my um, um at, at the time I was younger. So me and my how old were you? Two, how would you say you were? I believe I was five o'clock. I mean, five wow. five years That's old. That's very young. Yeah. So I I didn't know where my parents. I haven't seen my dad and the thing in the next two weeks. Um. Then they came to the the city. They uh they know one. Um, family that they live in the city, so that's where we went and stayed in that house for two weeks. And then my dad. Oh, so when you guys came to the city, it's not like everyone from the village gathered in an open place and try to make a habitat for themselves. Everyone just try to go to people they know and just stay with other people if, and all that. Exactly. If you know people in the city, you can just go and settle with them for until you figure something out. Those who don't have anybody in the in that city, they directly walked the all the way to chat. They continued walking. They continued to the to the different mm. countries. So they went to Chad and this this a refugee came in Chad. That's where they that's that yes. was the final destination in Chad. And up to today these people are there in wow. in Chad. Yeah. And this yeah. was years ago. That was years ago. Um that, that was really years ago. We came we shifted um my parents took us to a different route. We didn't end up in Chad in that refugee camp. So we and we, we came to a different um um route. How, how long did you stay in the city before you you guys decided to go somewhere else besides Chad? Uh, for three weeks. Three weeks. Okay, yeah. so you were there for a while. Yeah, in that city. Mm. Mm. And but during this time, there was no gunshot or violence in the city. Or in anything? This, yeah, the city wasn't there wasn't any gun. Um, mm. Just we, we just seeing people coming into the city into because the city. Yeah, different places. Yeah, just gone. So why did you guys head to from there? That was my dad's idea. Um, I didn't know. Um, because he knows um different state in the country, and he took us that way. At the time, that we the the state that we went to within Sudan is called Niala. Niala. Yeah. So we were there. It, there's no war at the time there in that state. And up to up to today, I believe um, there, there wasn't any war that came to that what city. What part of the country is that? Also west. It is also in the west, mm -hmm. but it's um, kind of um, like in south. Um, what was sorry. special about that city that there were no conflicts over there? Well, that one, I don't know why. What's the reason? I don't know what's special about it. Um, and th that city is not belong to one tribe. Like we we. Our states, you mostly most of the states, they belong to like one general tribe. So if you say Algerina, they belong to X tribe. Said like the majority. Well, in Niala, it's a mix of cultures. Mix of, so maybe they had historically learned to tolerate right other people. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And th there was a government that was really protective at that time, not letting regime or, or people coming in known. But in, again, like on on a side, this you, you can't let people go. Um, for farming, uh, you, like for good years, people didn't go for farming because you need mm. to go away from the city to farm. That's so you, you can't go yeah, for farming. 
Yeah, so that was the um, journey. And then from there, we heard about the country will not be stable. Maybe... How long were you in Niala for? Because you were in three weeks in yeah. Zawe. Then how long were you in Niala? We stayed there for almost... We stayed there for a while. I believe we went, I went to start a school there. So we stayed there with believe five, six years before we... My dad said, okay, you know what? How does school even continue in a country that's fighting a war? Like, even though it's in a place where the conflict didn't get to, but I guess that makes sense in every war. There's still people doing the regular the regular things. Yeah, well, chaos. because the city is it's safe at that time, so all um, regular activities were going on. Um, they didn't stop. So the schooling was because the city was safe, so there wasn't an attack or anything like that. Mm. So, yeah, the activities are going on at that time. But okay. again, you will you will look a little different. Um, I don't know in Sudan, every tribe every tribe look a little different from the other tribe. You mean like physically? Like physically, you'll mm. see yeah, you'll see somebody and just tell like he's from this tribe and this is from this tribe. I don't know. It's just we are from the same country, which is just really um, I I I had people the other people that said they they say that Sudan is is one country that is continent. <laughs> that yeah, you there's a lot of different tribes that and they look physically look different from the from other tribe. I know Miriam said the same thing in her interview because I think I was talking to Miriam about how some people from Sudan are very tall and she was like, It's not everyone. Yeah, it's not everyone. Like some people are very, and you talked about some people being light skinned. Yeah. And the, so does that mean when you're in Niala, like everyone there, even though you were going to school, just knew that oh you weren't from that part of yes. the country somehow. Yeah. Did that create any kind of animosity? Did did people treat you guys differently because of that so what were some of the things you you say you went through while you were there um i, I can say one thing is that they will judge you on your um, um the color of your skin one the how you appear um your clothing and plus your accent at the time your accent everyone spoke arabic right not everyone um mm. Yeah, the whole country generally speak Arabic, and they enforce that. I think since the um, our independent um, people in the south, they they continue to with with English, so they do speak English and Arabic is just like a language, kind of like uh, we can speak it or not. And then plus their own tribe languages that are going on. So um, when we got it, we we got colonized by British. The country should speak English at the time, but when we got our independence, this politician or those who first got the power they they revert to Arabic. to Arabic instead of um go to you know go with English. So just few people just keep up um kept up with English at the time. So the 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 whole country should speak Arabic again, but those who are like people from our states, just few of them that they do speak Arabic. So mainly they we speak our own language at the time. So when you learn Arabic you will have an accent and you will not sound the same as the English speaker. Uh, the English speaker or the mm. Arabic speaker in that city. So they will know that, hey, this guy's coming from not from here. So they will treat you different. You will not get the same access, you will not get the same benefits that you're looking for. You know, it's funny how human beings always find a reason to segregate. That's why some people say maybe that we need an external force, like an alien invasion, to really come together yeah. as human beings for everyone to work, work together. Because if you're in the U.S., is black versus white is racism. Um, if you're not in the U.S., if, if you're back home in Nigeria or Sudan or anywhere, it's tribalism people. And even if, if it's people within the same tribe, like where I'm from in eastern Nigeria, 
the Igbos who are all Igbos still have some classification within. within Igbos. And you have that also with some Indians with the caste system and, and whatever. So it's just interesting to see how people turn things. Something as simple as a mask becomes maskers <laughs> versus no maskers. Yeah. You know, our human beings just wired to, you know, form into packs and like not to, you know, live together. But it's just interesting. But, but let's fast forward a little bit. So you eventually went to a refugee camp in Kenya, right? Yeah. Did you go there straight from Niala after you know schooling there for a few months? Mm, um, no. Um, we uh, we went to um central um Sudan again. It's it's just a state in in central Sudan, and they call it Nuba Mountain. Mm. They believe there's 99 mountains that um, in that particular um Oh, so you were, you were born to come to Colorado, huh? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I say that because there are a lot of mountains in Colorado. Some of our listeners didn't get that that joke. <laughs> That's so true. So yes. you went to Central Sudan. We went to Central Sudan, um, and there's also war there, but um, those people, they were... They were fighting since um, they were fighting the, the administrative demonstration since um, like right after Sudan got independence because again of the inequal injustice within the country. Mm. So they have some places that were really safe and they they, they took over this um, those those places the, the villages or I can say um, yeah the the villages. So we we went there and they were. When we when we went, they 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 knew that we were coming from a war um, zone, and they they welcome us to that place. There is uh, this nonprofit um, UNICEF, mm. and um, they we we got some shelter, we got some food, and we stayed there for uh, live three months, and then we got the um, way out to a bigger refugee camp, which is in Kenya. Through also the 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 refugee camp in Kenya was a UNICEF camp. Not, not. It was a UNHCR um, oh, camp. Oh, UNHCR, UNHCR, United Nations Human... High Commission uh, of Refugees. Refugees, okay. Yeah. How many people would you say were in that refugee camp? Oh, If you not, were to guess, um, 100,000, 10,000? I know over 26 different um, countries. Were rep in that, in that Kenya refugee camp? In that camp. Kenya refugee camp. Wow, that, must have been big. Kakuma. In Kenya, there's two, I believe, two refugee camps that I know. There's one called Dadaab and there's one called Kakuma refugee camp. Dadaab is mainly, mainly people from Tanzania, Somalia, um, some part of Ethiopia type of uh, um, refugees in that camp. But in Kakuma, there's a lot of um, over a lot of countries there that it stays in, in that particular refugee camp. And the refugee camp was, I think they were, they formed back in 1990 when they were in South Sudan before they were going, you know, for looking for safety at that time. Mm. So I remember there's people from Rwanda, um, Uganda, from Tanzania, from Sudan, from um, Eritrea, from... From Rwanda. That must have been like after the Rwandan genocide yeah. and their own conflict and all that. This was like, what would you say? Was this like early 2000s? Yeah, um, I was. I remember when we came there. Yeah, early two thousands. That's mm. still the time. Yeah, but when we got status, refugee status was in two thousand six. Two thousand six. Yeah. Okay. So different countries, like twenty six different countries represented. But just from the number of people you kind of like remember, if you were to assign a figure, would you see there were like one million refugees when you were there, or like ten thousand refugees, or five thousand, or hundred thousand? Um, I think um, go over five thousand. I think 10,000 refugees or something like that, but mm. over 10,000. And that's just one camp. 
in one just one camp. In one camp, there's um, there's uh, four. So within one camp, there's the camp itself called Kakuma. Mm -hmm. So there's Kakuma one, there's Kakuma, Kakuma two, two. There's Kakuma three, <laughs> oh and there's Kakuma four. And this is for people who have been displaced by one conflict or the other throughout the African region. Yes, yes. That's crazy. If you look at it, um, like last year, um, the UNICEF came up with this data, and um, about um, eighty million people got they got displaced. Eighty. Eighty million people got displaced around the world. You know what? That makes sense because I think in Nigeria alone, it's almost um, I don't want to say it's a million people, but I want to say it's at least two hundred thousand people. We have something called internally displaced, displaced people, people who are displaced from northern Nigeria and like are in camps internally displaced, which doesn't make any sense because internally they are Nigerians. Yeah, they are yeah. just displaced from different parts of Nigeria and they're in camps in their country. Right, it's crazy. Right. Well, um, it it won't make sense for somebody that is he's not from he or she's not from Africa mm. or haven't seen what's going on within the African countries. Um, we, yeah, the internal displaced um came. I think it's every everywhere in 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 this conflict countries. It does make sense to um to us, but mm. like if you again explain it to somebody outside from that, he will he will no, not get it. Like say, yeah. hey, you guys from the same country and you have the internal came within the same country what's mm -hmm. going on here but is this and there's a camp there's an internally displaced camp this is talking about nigeria where i'm from so i'm from Ed edo state nigeria southern nigeria and we have a internally displaced camp and the story is my sister does a lot of uh charity work uh, for that particular camp and the stories you hear like within the camp the level of lawlessness like rape you know murder like some gangs that run the camp because you know in the midst of it's almost like a prison you know in the prison there'll be the the top guy who controls the other prisoners or, or runs a gang kind of thing so these people are fleeing a conflict but the camp is not necessarily the safest of environments for those people did you experience anything like that what was your experience in in kakuma um as far as safety goes because you were there for a long time eight years right yeah almost nine years before nine years, yeah wow. we our paperwork get done before we get resettled um when we got to um um kenya to that Kakuma refugee came, they were different um, um, countries with different cultures. And first, the first problem that we faced was the language. People, they, um, they spoke um, Swahili, Swahili and mm -hmm. English. And we were just, um, at the time, we know our, our mother tongue language and Arabic. And that wasn't helpful. And there weren't, there weren't any um, like technology that can help out with translation. So we we did face that um, the first issue was the language barrier within within the camp. And now there's some our fellow South Sudanese at the time, but it wasn't um, helpful because a lot of people also did, from South Sudan they don't know Arabic, and those who know the accent is totally different from what we speak in Darfur region with the nose. Mm. So the cultural barrier is a big factor and that came with us up to here to the US and all all the refugees that were resettled from that came they faced this um first thing they faced language barrier. That's the main key for you for, for anybody to integrate in that in any particular country. They so you guys language. had to learn Swahili and English. Yeah. Yeah. Who taught you so the English? Did the UNHCR have programs to teach you that or you just had to like mingle with people and try to figure it out, that kind of thing? No, actually the, the camp was really big. So I mentioned this Kakumu one to Kakumu four. Mm. 
um, people. And they, this is when you say big, big, like you had to drive to the other place. You or had to drive to the other place. It wasn't walking thing. You can mm. walk, yeah. Got it. it. It'll take you like probably two days or so to wow. just cross the other side of the cave. Mm. Yeah, you, you have to drive. Uh, you can use moto or bike to go. Mm. So, um, um, I mean, this is a full-fledged community, almost like a city. Even yeah. people had jobs in the camp. People, or, or how was how was the whole Gap situation? Was, jobs was really um, hard in the refugee camp to come back mm. because um, people they don't farm in that. Um, if if you people do farm, just um, small farm for just something that to Sub eat today. Farming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but UNICEF they have program educational program and does i think it started in the um in the early um 2000 maybe 1990 something 1995 six seven they started the program they started um primary school primary school where they, they said um i think this no the 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 schools were formed by the um leaders of the refugees mm. They sat down and they said, hey, now that we're here, uh, we have kids, let's just build something for the kids to, um, for them, anybody, you know, something can come and take um, mm -hmm. kids. And that's how they started. And when UNICEF came by and saw that, they, they, supported, they it. supported it and they built um, primary school. Oh, so they actually built a primary school. They did. They did well, build Besides the primary school, I'm, I'm curious to know your living conditions in the camp because eight nine years is a long time like when i think about refugee camps i think about a wide area of land that's fenced up with those transparent metal fences across fences and have these white tents mm. was that your situation or it was structurally different where you guys live um that was true in different refugee camps in different countries um the, ref the particular refugee camp in kenya wasn't fenced um it was really big i think Unisar they need a um design. I I don't know if it's um an owned by by the Unisar now mm -hmm. who's just a, a contract with, with the country of Kenya. They basically have the whole like uh, in the border of Sudan, Uganda, and they just um, use that place for because it's not used by by the country by Kenya mm. for anything. There's a tribe oh, called so the Tukana, camp is right on the border, right in the border mm. of these countries. Yeah, so Ethiopia, Sudan, and Uganda. So it's just right in that place. It's it's a desert type of area, uh, so they used it for. Um, for refugees so, so it's a desert what's the structure of the of the home where your family and other families were living in was it the tents or it was actually like bricks or wood or you know how how big was it like how were families assigned those kind of homes that kind of thing um the the the, the homes were assigned with tent um at first and then um the refugees themselves they 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 built the houses with bricks so people actually they just took initiative of um making brick and build a house with it and then put the tent on top of that um kind of um to make it a little to more make it sturdy. Little, yeah yeah so the refugees actually they did that within within the camp no any organization or nonprofit that helped with that they did help with uh with the tent and then you take that tent and with your skills to Build that, to build something a little because yeah there was a heavy rain also at, at that place um if it came but uh, uh people people just used their own um initiative to just to do something. something yeah how long did you guys stay in the tent did you guys eventually build a brick uh place 
um we did stay uh, for when we when we got there we 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 came and we saw the idea of people already building um with bricks. with bricks so we we did um um had um bricks already built in with uh um people so you initially they resettled at that back in the day they resettled a lot of people now 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 they have fewer refugees get resettled yeah, obviously because of after 9 11 and yeah. you know obviously this outgoing administration all those things yeah so we we did stay like uh within the tent for like a two to three months and then we built one with bricks and then once you build with bricks you they will come and say, okay, we can provide iron. So now they, they change it. They came with iron. You will iron. get an iron on top of your... They just um, provide the materials. You guys build it yourself. You build it yourself. Now, I'm, I'm curious. I have two questions. So if the the refugee camp wasn't fenced, what stopped people from just going into Kenya and finding somewhere to settle? You know, or were people staying because of the hope that, you know, the, the UNHCR can process um, their documents to legally eventually be in a different country, the U.S. or any other country eventually? That's one. Number two, what about people who weren't kids? You were a kid, so maybe you could have gone to school. I, I can only imagine the quality of school, like in a refugee camp maybe not the best but what about people who are like 18 19 who were too old to go to school and there was really no work what they do all day in the refugee camp um oh, the first question is you cannot you, you can one fact is transportation and um the other fact is financially a lot of people don't have the capacity to go to like uh um, in a different city within Kenya to just integrate with people. And then you will face also the, the language um, uh, factor. The other factor is you need to have some documentation. If you don't have documentation, that's also a problem. So you need to show some type of identification um, if you went to like this, the capital city or something like that. So you need to be um, um, either protected by the UNICR or, or you will um, face a lot of problems within um the country. So that's what stopped people from integrating. So people just in the refugee camp, they said for um, some people got like those who came 1990s, um, especially the South Sudanese, they, now they have kids there, their kids born kids there. Oh, wow. So you and came into the refugee camp, there are situations where someone came as a kid, grew up, got married in the refugee camp, had kid, kids. Those yeah. kids grew up, had kids. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. It's, 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 it's been there for a while now, that refugee camp. And the other um, um, question was... Uh, what do people do all day, like especially the older kids or the young adults um, that couldn't necessarily go to primary school or maybe we, even high school? So the kids, all the kids, um, they go to primary school. And mm -hmm. um, that's just parents send the kids to go to school. And um, that, that that was it. Um, in the refugee camp, there's a good um, leaders that... Um, tell the kids the value of the education and how will it change, you know. So people, you know, go to schools, the kids go to schools. I believe in um, before before we got to that refugee camp, also the, the those who um, graduated from um, primary school, mm -hmm. um, they, they didn't know what 
to do at the at the time. So um, again, they, they sat down and they built one um, secondary school. So there's a primary school and then secondary school. So those who graduated from primary school, they go to um, secondary school. And um, that also was sponsored by um, different nonprofit um, at the time. So there's no jobs in the refugee camp that you can do. So all the um, kids after school program, there's no after school program, but after school people play soccer. Mm. That's the only sport um, that was going on at the time. And up to today, I believe people play soccer. There's different, um, just every country come up with their team and the people mm. play, you know, so kind of like a league stuff. situation. Yeah. yeah. So that's what they do uh, because that's what I was I was doing too. I got the name um, Young because um, I was a kid playing with some adults. I was having a better skills at the time. I was playing with the adults in the team and they called me Young because I was a young uh, at that, yeah. What position did you play? I played number six. Okay, I did play defender. six and eight. Yeah. At at young a young defender with grown people. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I was I was more like a, in the central because I was I was having a better control of the um. So number five backs me up, and when I get the um the ball um I was was having the skill of distributing the um mm. ball to, to, to number four or two four three. or seven or eleven or mm. the striker in a, in a better way. So yeah, I played six and I played eight, played ten also. So I was. I was doing good. Six and eight are two different positions, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that means you had some versatility. Like, you were a little bit versatile. Yeah. On the field. Plus, how big was soccer? Did Were they large screens for you guys to watch your English Premier League? Because we both know, like, EPL is very huge in, in Africa. Were there people supporting, like, foreign teams in the refugee camp as well? That was mostly... Was there any form of entertainment? Like, concerts or, like, not... Maybe everyone didn't have a TV, but were there, like, screens, like, big screens or projectors during, like, you know... a, a big sporting events or, or like a movie night or something, anything like that? This is just recently, I, um, this, this, this non-profit called Film 8, they do show movie every like a three months or so. They come up with like a big project and show one movie, one cartoons, and just one educational, or just educational purposes to better, um, um, the, the, to just show the kids how, like, um, the importance of, of, of education and how things uh, are. So film aid, they they were there, and this not like in the when I got there. Um, this is just recently. Um, they came up with, with these ideas and they 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 did it with film aid. So there wasn't any like a big like a sporting people can look up um sport activities to um yeah mm. this is again um now there's this um, people say many and people um get stuff and what about they newspapers were newspapers being distributed or radios the people who had radios to connect to local radio station or something when we when we were there there wasn't any um radio any tv or TV. any newsletter wow. so you guys are more or less cut off from the rest of the world yeah yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, people just um, within the refugee camp and they are doing their thing in the refugee in camp. The refugee you come camp. up with the creative idea and they do it. Soccer was there. People play soccer, and um, the third thing is um, there's really like talented kids there. Which like if there's a nonprofit, um, you know, go out there and look up. You know, 
there's this talented you know players can was can there anyone it. that made it out like for soccer or for maybe eventually went to school and was there any big name that that came out of russian camp or something for no no after today wow. no yeah again uh, after after people got resettled to us yeah there's there's a lot of successful um basketball players from yeah yeah but they don't really um i haven't seen the they went back and like trying to sponsor people, trying to support. Uh, and, and these are basketball players who came from that particular. Came from that particular. This is interesting. Really like if I even I didn't have that experience, but I feel compelled. I'm almost thinking in my head that you know, for the big clubs like you know, um, what, what have you here in Denver, the Colorado Rapids, or right. even like the Manchester United or Arsenal, Chelsea football clubs, mm. they can have a program that go to organize some competition, pick one or two kids, you know, yeah. even if it's for the youth program. Yeah, that that would just help them. So I can imagine. Imagine someone like, you know, graduating and not even going back to say, okay, let me even, even if I don't go back physically, let me send someone to build some decent housing, at right. least a hundred of them right. for the people there. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think one thing also we can use again, um, I'm now here. Um, um, I got a set on here and, um, target all the knowledge that I get from here once I, I'm in that position to go. Um, I think simple thing like you go there and just, you know, in line people with um with ideas and just reflect mm -hmm. what is in the other world. Um, go there, give people radios at least. Like yeah. give free radios so they can at least connect to listen and see okay what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it wasn't any, you know, sponsored um, kids that got sponsored outside. Maybe, so I, maybe I can do something with my podcast in the future. Let's see. Let's give radio is, is podcast are you can listen to any podcast you want anytime you okay. want. Maybe say there can be a device that can help people listen to podcasts in different languages and that can give them something to look forward right. to, you know. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So you guys were there for eight, eight or nine years. That's yeah, but I think we are lucky too. Some people are still out there. Out um, there. Yeah, I was going to say like you guys were like, did everyone was everyone being processed to come to the u.s or some people went to germany spain different places we had some people went to canada and some people went to australia um, yeah and the u.s this is the three countries that i know uh, some people have got resettled there so what was that process for like for you guys how how did it how do you guys end up in the u.s obviously maybe your dad would have been the one organizing everything but for for what you can remember would they just come and you know take pictures and every other year you update something or like what's it or you did it once and then eight years later they just called your name no there's a there's a whole different u.s u.s they they screw refugees are uh, more than any other immigrant or any i can imagine other um group i can say there's um first you go with with profile um you go there after you get your okay you are given a refugee status you'll go for uh, uh something called profile just ask you questions and they put um, the information out there and you stay for uh for quite while they will call you again for um for um like how long after your profile would, would you wait before they call you for the second time? Uh, ours, ours, we did wait three months for oh, no, okay, the second so time. So wasn't too bad. At the, we did the profile and then we went to the second profile and then the, and then we waited for a, um, a year. And uh, so let me just back up and start from the beginning. So when we got to the camp, you go and meet with local um um, um UNICEF, and then they have the names and they'll just put okay these are refugees from where from sudan why because at the time this war in sudan okay so they'll just put that in and they will give you a card and they will tell you okay this is a refugee camp and you can stay in that refugee camp so 
every country or every um, refugee or community, they, they get their own resettlement dates. So our resettlement, when, when we got like the okay or the resettlement um, um, agency came and said, okay, you guys will start the profile, you guys, your community will be resettled to certain um, countries. So we will start the profile and congratulations, some, yeah, something like that. So we, from, we, we stayed for um, six years mm. before before UNICEF came and said, hey, uh, we did have the whole community. We, we, um, now, congratulations, you guys will be resettled, this com this particular community. You waited for, so we waited for six years before. Six they, years. Yeah. Just, just six years going to school or staying in the wait, camp. Wait, let me even get this straight. Like, yeah. Even after six years and they told you congratulations, it took you another two years to three leave. Years. Three years to leave. Three years to leave. So, Interesting. Yeah, it took us three years. So after six years, they said, okay, congratulations. Your community will be resettled. We're going to start the process. So you'll go. We, we went for the process screening. We stayed about a month or so. We went for the second um, interview. And then um, we, after six months, you'll go for um, um, CIS interview. CIS. CIS. And you did this all as a family. Yeah. Yeah. What is the CIS interview? Um, CIS is this. This is the American um, agency, um, um, which stands for um, Customs and Immigration, or no? Criminal in no. Um, criminal lookup. Where is? BIS. Oh, is it the, the, the law enforcement agency? The law enforcement agency, oh, yeah. Uh, Central Central Intelligence Agency. Yeah, so Central Intelligence oh, Agency. you guys had a CIA interview in Kenya. In Kenya. Interesting. So they yeah. did a background check to make they, sure, you know, the people coming in. They do, I think, three to four background before mm. even anything. Um, just for security reasons. For just so. for security reasons. Um, we, we, yeah, after like a, after a year, we went for our first uh, um, interview with um, C um, CIS, and they then interview the whole family. At the time, they would just ask the kids of like um, 18 and older, and I wasn't 18 at the time, so they asked me, the, yeah, I'm just included question. with the family. Yeah. So they, they asked the 18 and older in the family questions. What and, type of questions do you remember? Um, I I personally, because they haven't asked me any questions, mm -hmm. they're asking my well, mom and dad at the time. Were you in the room when they were asking those questions? Um, yeah, so when, um, why did we flee, why why we fled basically Sudan and what's the reason are and uh, um. that's funny because you know well I don't want to delve into any conspiracy theories but America was in Sudan they were in Darfur at one point at that point yeah they were yeah. so they know what uh, what happened there but again they need to screen people so that to settle the right people mm -hmm. from those who actually suffer from what was going in South in, in Sudan or like in that war zone. True. Yeah, because everybody from Sudan, they can come and say, hey, um, um, I also got affected by by the war. So they had to do yeah, this screening for that purposes. So they ask the first interview, and then they, they have the basic data, and they go and stay for six months or so. They come again for the next interview. Yeah. I think um, USIS, I mean, CIS, they got this team, just one, I think one team that they basically travel the same people. The, the same people, they travel to different countries, these refugee camps, to just interview people and stuff. So when they go around and come back, it'll take like a year or so to just be there for the second interview. 
Mm. So the second interview, they, they will interview the family again. The second interview, they will take pictures and stuff. They'll they will take, take pictures of everyone. They take pictures from the what family. About fingerprints they, or they, things. Yeah, they build up a whole uh, profile, the profile. For, for, for the family. Yeah, they will take all the finger fingerprints. They go again for uh, um, several, um, for Once. six to eight months. And then at the meantime, you there's another screen called um, um, GVA. I don't know what GVA stands for. I don't know what GVA. 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 Yeah, there's GVA mm. one and GVA two. That you 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 will be screened and and also the same the same scenario. So mm. they they go like this. So different agencies are vetting the people who potentially want to come and enter into the U.S. Yeah. Do you guys have any say at all as to I don't know where you want to go, where you want to end up, or no? No. 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 Wow. No. So, um, what what about the country? Like, how do you know if it's the U.S. or Australia or Canada you have ended up? You don't know. We didn't know. Um, but uh, in the congratulations letter to the community, they will say, "Okay, U.S. said we're going to resettle people from your community." Mm. Oh, so I guess each country kind of like has a quota on. Okay, we can take five thousand people this from year. This year. We can take, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That so sense. that's that's what they do. I think the how the budget come out because every president they will come up with their budget of how many people should right. be resettled, how many people should be resettled. Man. And once that budget come out, <laughs> they will they will divide that people to different refugee camps. Oh <laughs> man, the budget is gonna change in twenty twenty one. Wow. Yeah. So so when you came, you guys eventually came to the US, like talk to me about those last few weeks. I know you I know you said you got your congratulations and took you three years to go, but when you eventually got the date, let's say a month to when you left and they say, okay, you know what you're going to live on this day in April or whatever. Talk to me about those last few weeks. Like, how was it? Were you telling your friends in the refugee camp that, oh, they've decided that our family were going to be leaving X. Do you guys keep it to yourself? What was the atmosphere? Were you looking forward to it? How did you imagine America was going to be? Um, um, at, at the time, we were just imagining America the way we're in the movies and the way we're on um how people talk about um, um, America, all these good things, and like um, basically it's just heaven where it is there. Like everybody says, America is just the heaven. So that's what we were, we were picturing at the time when we were in that process. Some some communities depend on how your relationship within um, within that community and with these certain people. If you have a good relationship, you can just people will know like, hey, this guy he travel in the coming weeks or so. And you you will stay, you will start playing soccer, you because if you have an injury you have to stay like again for a but year. Or so. You do medical and all that. Yeah. Because mm. you gotta go through medical. So you have to be... take care of yourself and watch yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's pretty much it. Some people tell some people through parties and stuff the last day before they um actually travel from What's there. a party like in a refugee camp? Talk to me about that. Well, um where does the music come from? <laughs> well, this drums. Um, people sing, so nice. yeah, so drumming and singing. Drumming and singing, and if you have some money, you 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 slaughter a goat or sheep or something. People come and eat. I think this 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 what was. I remember there's some people have some um um, um music devices um and they they play uh like music, but most of people they they drum. Now people got opportunities, got different stuff coming in, and there's mm. better stuff now in the refugee camp, but. Our time, people just singing and uh, drumming. And finding a way to just keep themselves happy, even yeah. amidst the, the whole thing. Yeah. But you guys didn't do that. No, we didn't do that. We didn't mm. do that party thing. Yeah. So you eventually came to the U.S. Where did you land? We, so I don't know who chose 
this specific this Colorado specifically for us I, I didn't know maybe the lady that they um did the um finalize our, our profile and they determined that okay these people are eligible to be resettled um because they will ask um if you have a wife they will ask you and they will have a wife in a different room they'll ask and then they will compare questions and stuff oh, they'll separate you and they'll, ask you different questions yeah yeah does it hurt your chances if you're married with kids and if you're single or you are not sure does it help or hurt your chances if you have a large group like say seven kids wife and, and three kids want to resettle than you know just two brothers that kind of thing it, it doesn't help that's just the same process that same everybody process, go, okay. go through yeah if you by yourself then you have a lighter lighter um um case i can say because they know just you they don't have to ask like you you different questions and other people people okay. different questions but there, was, the but there was no case of where you know mother and father got it and uh, the children didn't get it or some people in the family they resettled if the family is going the whole family no matter how large yeah yeah okay. that's how it is if 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 the if like the 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 father and the mother they messed up in questions they would just basically reject the whole case wow yeah so did you guys have family meetings to say okay this is what we're gonna say get that's your exactly stories together yeah that's exactly interesting what <laughs> you gotta come up with the same wow. story and this was six years of this stuff just, yeah and people yeah. i think with the, the intelligent community they know i think they they have a knowledge of every village in that place yeah they've been doing it for a while they've been doing it for a while and i think the trainings include like i think they need to go even there to just experience so the language to, to see how who the people what? are so the pretty much they know if you're talking the truth or not what did your father do before the conflict before before he was having a shop mm. he was having a shop yeah was having the job yeah, shout out to your dad man i know he was just struggling to do man, that man man yeah. you gotta do do everything for that dude. <laughs> <laughs> he did the impossible relocating me well, how yeah. big was your family um we are a big family um we we i have my sibling were born in the refugee camp mm -hmm. but um now we are total of eight kids kids yeah how many people came to the u.s was anybody born here um no we have people who came together and why did you guys land when you when you touched down in the u.s um chicago i believe the first chicago yeah, interesting place was... to land yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what time of the year was that? i remember <laughs> well, I, I remember it was in april of 2013. okay um, not bad so just that till end of winter not, not there was cold. a lot of snow at the time I remember. in april uh, yeah. yeah oh yeah true, when true. we came we came we came here and it was a lot of snow. That was our first time experience snow. From the desert in Kenya, it's yeah. snow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. So we, we came, we landed to in... Did you in, guys have the right clothes? We weren't. So before you, um, like, uh, um, there's, uh, there's a place in the capital city in Nairobi, they call it Gaul. So from the refugee camp, you, they will take you to that, to, to Nairobi for That's a week. The airport. Or not, no, airport. not the airport. It's just kind of, it's like a hotel type of thing. Okay. Um, you stay there for a week or two until they get the tickets and they they confirm everything. And from there, they will give you specific clothes that you should wear before you know. They'll give you the clothes. They'll give you the clothes. Okay. So there's uh actually I, I still have that um, this T-shirt that say um USP um USP yeah um on on like on the chest of the uh vest. Uh, so what does that stand for? You're not sure. I, I think um, um, U.S. refugee program type of thing. Oh, like a branded shirt for their... Just a brand okay, that... Okay, uh, for, for their there's certain, yeah, there's certain main agencies mm. they know when they see uh, that's, that's our guy right there. How many people from the refugee camp were 
transported to the hotel. How many people in your your batch made it out? Except your family, would you say there were up to thirty people, fifty people? At like in one journey or like mm-hmm. in that your specific people went with you to the hotel. Then you know maybe everybody was not going to the U.S., but you know the people went to the hotel in that your specific. Was it just one bus trip or every day they kept bringing people? Not every day. Um, I, um, I think we we I remember we were two buses. Two buses? Okay. Yeah. We people from Somalia, from Ethiopia, Eritrea, just different countries, just within the same journey. And if one bus is, uh, let's say, what, 15 people, two buses are 30 15 people? 15 to 20, yeah, uh, 15 to 20 um, um, people. And was that was that the only trip for that year, or there were other trips? No, there were other trips. There were so other if, trips. if we say, say, let's say, would you say, is it safe to say there are like five other trips? Let in me say five year? trips in a year. In a year? Mm-hmm. No, I think more than that. Um, mm-hmm. More than that, because the, the I think every, I don't know the, the schedule is, but every, like, in all these communities, they have ongoing process. Mm-hmm. Every if, if the family got approved from Geneva, they would just notify UNICEF, like, hey, these people, the screening is okay, there's no anything, these people mm-hmm. should be resettled. And then they will send the budget and the stuff, and then they will, they will tell the family, hey, your case is accepted. Your case accepted. Yeah, so, like, all these 20, 15 to 20 um, countries, they, mm-hmm. they have the ongoing oh, process. Right. Why, yeah. why I ask that, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to determine anecdotally, like, how many people get to leave the camp every year. So I was trying to say, okay, if there are, like, two buses, 30 people, if there are, like, maybe 10 trips in the year, that's, like, 300 people. So maybe 300 people get resettled to different countries in the year. Um, I don't know how accurate that is because you only know your situation. Yeah. But it'll just be interesting to know, like, in a camp of, say, 5,000 people, 10,000 people, 300 people every year. Um. I, I, I yeah. Again, I don't know this 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 schedule exactly how, mm. but it depends. Um. Sometimes I remember when I was there. Um. Before we got our process started, those who already there on the process. Um. Like sometimes for for good two years, there there will be there there will be like no end, like no refugee will be resettled. Wow. Well, yeah. And if it started then like for two months or so, they will resettle a lot of people mm. to be going. I think they will they will just pile up. You know, cases, cases, approved cases, like, and they'll have Maybe the whole budget together. the administration, yeah. the budget, different things. Yeah. And as our people are leaving, more people are joining the refugee camp, right? People join every day, I believe, mm. in the refugee camp. Damn. I know. Yeah. Crazy. You guys landed in Chicago. We did. Um, how, what was the first thing you did? Uh, what was the, the, the first thing you guys did as a family? Um... First, th- first thing, um, the food that was served in the airplane uh, wasn't our type, and we were not even introduced to so that we can eat it. Um, when we because from from Kenya, we I believe the first stop was in um, Switzerland. Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, we that's the first stop in that air, uh, airport, and then from there to. Um, Chicago. So that journey, when we were, they served us food and nobody from my family ate that food. There's some sandwiches and there's some, uh, I remember, um, I've seen some people throw up in, uh, mm, because they were used to, it. Used to yeah, the food. So eight years in different. the camp, it's like different. We used to one type of food in that refugee mm. camp. So uh, we landed into Chicago and I remember like everyone we were very hungry. We were very hungry. That's that's the uh, and then we had to fly from because um, Colorado was the um, final, home, destination. final destination. So we had to wait for the um, the 
plan to again to come to Colorado. So, so you guys waited in the airport when the plane came. You flew yeah. to Colorado. Yeah, and then we flew to Colorado, and um, the nonprofit here at the time was called Economical Refugee Services. Okay. They, um, um, they, I think they they have some volunteers and some people came to the to the airport with the welcome sign. It was very welcoming, and there's some um, few Sudanese here at the time. They they prepared some food and they nice. talked to so the people who had come before who understood. Yeah, understood what mm. what it is like. So yeah, they prepared something, and the agencies here because they will know they will expect family of seven are coming, so they they will have the budget already to rent a house, get some um, like a food and stuff oh so that means the way it works that there are certain nonprofits that work with the united states government with unhcr and they're allocated certain budgets so with each coming family they use that budget to get like housing and little things that you guys used to sustain for the first like for the three first eight or six months. eight months so. yeah before you interesting yeah okay so, so that means everyone didn't come and like stay in the same place like it was a refugee camp people just went to different houses different places different based on where the nonprofit like got you a house or whatever you just went there like it wasn't like a community it wasn't um like a com like a specific community at um, um it again will depend on the relationship of the case manager and the nonprofit that you now handling the case um most of um again this is this is a, we can have a different topic on on this we can talk about this but uh, most of refugees you get reset like you, you will get a housing in uh, what they call it here a ghetto place mm. um places only it's um um, it's really ghetto that it's high crime um, um, place and um, why? Because that's where houses were cheaper. It's for that reason one. It's cheaper. The other reason is that um, they cannot provide any uh, background type of thing to the mm. landlord to say okay yeah, because they, they don't know they they, they have to like accept. don't have any credit history. You don't yeah. have anything like that. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's another factor. So that's even an interesting uh, point. Like where you guys assign like social security numbers or like ids or things or you had to come here first and all those things were assigned to you over time so uh, i believe the the non-profit they will the case will be transferred from um the unicr to geneva in geneva they have all the case in the data and the and when the case once the case is approved they will assign it to any to to which which organization in that particular state that these mm. people are going to? For example, here they will say, "Hey, um, IRC or Economical Refugee Service, like, hey, we have a family that will come, and this is the budget you guys prepare for this." But they may come um, any. So IOM is the immigration um, um, immigration immigration. I forgot the abbreviation of uh, IOM. IOM. Man, man, I international. Don't so many, so many abbreviations. <laughs> I know. Did, international Organization for Migration. Mm. Those people they do handle the, the tickets and the uh, migrating from uh, from the refugee camp to the state. They, they will make sure you get. Uh, it's a loan, and um, the, that ticket you will once you get here, you sign a paper that the, you will pay. The plane ticket is a loan. It's a loan. Interesting. And yeah. what plane tickets from Africa to the U.S. are what fifteen hundred dollars? Fifteen hundred. Mine cost um sixteen hundred and thirty some dollars. So. For someone just coming to the U.S. for the first time and for a family of eight, yeah, like <laughs> to pay I that back, how plus, do you go about plus, start finding a job? Plus, plus my our parents too. So mm. we got um we got a big bill um 
that for for just the for the migration and um so they they don't um the the, the good thing is they they don't report it to credit and they don't, mm, yeah of course but they will do it after like you already integrated and you don't want to you don't want to pay that amount like and it you shows stay up here for credit. 10 15 20 years and you don't want to pay that amount they'll say hey um we use that money to resettle other, on other refugees so mm. please pay it off if you don't want to pay off then then they will would um um like send it to your credit is there any the interest credit. on the loan or there wasn't an interest it was just okay just so just, loan. okay they need that money to just yeah. you help other people yes who, yeah. who got a job first like how do you guys got did do they have connection with some local um businesses in colorado that they you know assign people to to work to earn some money or you guys were left to fend for yourself all that process like oh once you get a settle, you will get benefit. There's a budget that will cover for rent and food. You get food stamp. And Do you pay that all back as well? No, the food okay, stamp so and Medicaid. Yeah, just the ticket that will stay, like, you got to pay back. Um, so you use that benefit to um, for shelter and, uh, you know, transportation and you get transportation from the nonprofit. Does the whole family get it, or like everyone above eighteen, or they give it to the head of the family? Well, everyone will get it for up to eight months, and eight then those after who are eight, those who are eighteen and up, um, and older, they will they will lose the benefit. Like for like example, if they get a job, they will lose. For sure, they will lose the med. They will lose the Medicaid, mm -hmm. and the food stamp may continue. But if they got a job, then they will lose the food stamp. So when when they give you rent, oh, they they pay your rent directly to your landlord. I would assume. Yeah. Then they give you food stamps for food, and you they you also have Medicaid for healthcare. Yes, so for they're healthcare. not even giving you any physical cash. They're just taking care of things. They, they, yeah. If the, if the budget um remains the the, the nonprofit, they will give you the physical um, um cash. You'll go cash it, do whatever you want. If you need better furniture, you need to buy something in the house. You, you use it. You want to send it back to people. Yeah, if cool. they, yeah. yeah. It depends to who's uh, managing that case, and they, they will get you know the cheapest stuff, or they'll use that whole budget to get this stuff set up um for you mm. so the case manager um did the basic stuff they will actually do there will be many remain and say hey this is what remain from your budget and then you can you can use it so that's how um it works you know so the goal of all non-profit here that they 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 have is to uh, make people to be self-sufficient yeah within amount of time you know what, it just puts things into perspective that you, you sometimes you don't think about the cycle of things like you're working a non-profit and maybe you're supposed to you know do some work to send in a case that'll you know go to geneva and something but because you don't want to go to work that day or your boyfriend broke up with you you didn't end up doing that work and because of that some family somewhere has been delayed that you don't even know about like, that's it, so true yeah just goes to show <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the important of not taking uh um like your job likely right yeah yeah that's that's the reason why some people get affected by that you know um you go through breakup or something and you go there and just disqualify all the um, assigned mm, cases because you're in a bad you're mood. In a bad mood or something oh my like that. god i know <laughs> this is crazy let me ask you this like from this whole process and this is a crazy process over like nine years like from you know 
going to the city, eventually going to Kenya, you know, move into Chicago, come to Colorado, spending eight months on, you know, some form of government assistance. Obviously, your family was very lucky because some people are still back there. Yeah. But is there a part of parts of that process you feel can be done better? Like the way I look at it, like life can be made a little bit meaningful for people in the camp. So even if they don't eventually make it out, they might have the chance to build something there. So providing, you know, if it's entertainment services or teaching, you know, you know, some kind of skills. And even if they're not legally allowed to work, maybe there's a way they can you know, do something. That's just me thinking. But what is it for you? Would you have expected that when you came here, some during that eight months, some things would have been done better, or during the flight, there should have been food catered to you, or what? What do you think could have been done better? Well, well, I can suggest uh, my opinion um, on, on this. Um, every refugee came um, different from other, from like from from where I came from. Um, the food is different from, so we talked to some folk came from a refugee camp in um, in Libya. The way they got things done there is totally different from what we had in the refugee camp. Um, I'm gonna start with um, things like food first. Let's go with nutrition. Um, in that refugee camp, you, you get people that they haven't ate chicken like for five, six years. Chicken? Yeah. Wow. Um, people didn't have apple for 10 years. Uh, people, they, they, they miss, there's some, a lot of nutrition that in, um, it's missing. And this, this World Food Program, but the food that been served in the refugee camp, in every 15, in every two weeks, you go to the center and you get some food. And these are things we take for granted outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if, if, if there be a better nutrition program that can help, you know, uh, kids where and like pregnant women and like adults, like uh, all, all the people, you know, with, with better, you know, nutrition, I think that's be a huge help um, I'm there. Um, other thing is that I think the, the United Nations, they're investing a lot of um, money to, to this um, program. But then again, if you looked at it, like um, just last year, like, Almost 80 million people got displaced. Um, what what are we doing? Um, um, they're investing all that money. If if we're having almost 80 million in the world get displaced, so if they use that money in the refugee camp or to better um to better different programs like um, um schooling and like um to create jobs for the, those folks, there things will be a huge help um um for them. And I think UNICEF or the United Nations have the capacity to talk to the um the, the country's leaders to stop whatever it's going on. Mm, in, to, to even stop creating those situations. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and instead of um, we're going to offer help, that means they're encouraging um, leaders to do whatever they want, and people end up mm, being Because, like displaced. you said, the Kenyan government may be benefiting in some form yeah. for using their land and different things. Yeah. So, the more refugees, some people in government might be benefiting. Somebody in the government mm. in that particular country is benefiting from it. So, yeah, um, I think those can those stuff can make really changes um, within. In individual countries, you know. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah. How long has it been since you you guys were moved here? 
um now it's uh almost seven years seven years yeah. and, and look at you today man like you you have a job you have a car like <laughs> crank, crank, yeah yeah i mean you, you you're slowly getting there and like what do you want to do like what do you see yourself doing as far as you know personal aspirations and that can be anything that can be career that can be a specific objective you want to do like in the future say in 10 15 years because you've had so much you've been deprived of so much based off those years that i don't want to say lost but you know those years that might not have been fulfilled what is there something you're craving that you want to achieve because you're still a young man um i one thing that i'm in my mind that um i need to go back and um um give something back um i don't know what's my future is going to be here but if i am in that position of their power i'm thinking of um i'm doing things back home or in refugee camp just to help um, um folks out in a different way um small i can start with small stuff that can um you know change people's perspective and you know mm-hmm. drive them in a better um better way that's that's what it is. Um, I don't want to focus on um, creating. Um, a lot of people they 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 wanted to create a nonprofit and back home to help out. I think those are really cool um, 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 things to do. Um, I wanted to create that to do, but again, um, there's a lot of um, um, nonprofits um, already, mm. and um, and there's still a lot, of, still challenges a lot of challenges overlooked. being off. So I'm thinking of uh, um, better stuff, you know, like other way, not better, but other way to just reflect, um, um, like different things affect the, the, the individuals back home. Simple to, things to, to, to help self. the quality of life and to give them something to look forward to, to hope for. Yeah, yeah. That's just what I want to focus on instead of um, creating some something for them. Creating something mm. for them there, that means you, you support them so they will depend on you. Um, for Something as simple as social media, like setting up like a cyber cafe with like 12 computers and people come there, even if it's for 30 minutes a day to just check Facebook, can make someone's day. It's yeah. something we take for granted. That's, that's so true. That's true. And education also is uh, um, somebody open, uh, um, let's say, um, a computer um, class. Um, we'll get a lot of um, refurbished computers here in the U.S. that um, people can donate you some computers, and you, you ship those back. You create something to help, you know, individuals there with with you know better technology and better things that they can help, you know, themselves yeah. out through life. But we are going in this technology world, right? So um, I think stuff like that will, will change. Uh, help a lot instead of me go there and create a, a nonprofit and provide things for them that I, I'm thinking that will um, um, discourage, not discourage, but will not improve key, like youth to depend on themselves and create things to just move forward. Man, I really, that's a very noble, you know, objective to want to give back. And, you know, it's good. It's a good thing I met you and I know you now because I am just thinking of a lot of things in my head, like to also try to give back because sometimes we feel like we're going through a lot of bad things. You know, you have a flat tire and so, oh my God, my day is bad. Meanwhile, some people haven't even had basic nutrition and access to things like chicken or apples for years, things that we take for granted. Like if you know the excess chicken being produced in the U.S. (laughs) to Day. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy, man. Hey. Man, Mohammed has been interesting, you know, getting to know your story. Um, I'm, I'm glad we eventually got to do it, you know. Um, um I, I should have done
done this a lot earlier, but eventually got around to it. Um, thank you so much for being here. Before I wrap up the episode, is there, um, I like to give my guests, you know, a few minutes at the end of the podcast to kind of like, you know, if there's something, a question, maybe you're meaning for me to ask that I didn't ask, or if there's just a word of advice or something you just want to put out there in the world, or if you want, you know, people who are interested in reaching out to you to help you out with your future objective, maybe you want to drop an email, whatever it is you want to do, uh, you kind of have the floor to do that. Um, um, I wanted to say one thing to the 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 African continent as well. Through my experience coming here, I lived in the refugee camp and came to the United States. Um, um, we are very diverse in our own continent, and we don't accept the other persons. Um, people, for example, from Sudan, they don't accept people from Nigeria just because they are from Nigeria and think like Nigerians is just lower uh, than me. And, we are like vice versa. Maybe Nigerians say, okay, the Sudanese, they're just, um, I'm not going to consider them people. So, so let's, um, as a continent and the, the, the generation coming, let's accept now one another as a as an African nation and enjoy our diversity within, you know, our continent and, and just think um, positively within, you know, our, our own continent. Let's accept the differences that we have within, you know, our own tribe, our own states and our own country. Um, I think that's a better way to, we had enough um, um, in our country, I mean, you know, in the whole continent it, it's a mess compared to um, different continents. So let's do accept one another within, you know, our country and our nation. And um, people, people that want to get at me and want to talk to me, I, I do have a Facebook page they can uh, get into. It's just YB, it's just for young boy. Um, they um, looked at that on Facebook, they will um, find my page as well. Cool. And you, and, you know, you're so right. Like, unity, we need unity. You know, it begs, you know, sometimes I think it's someone somewhere deliberately like inciting some of these things because uh, they benefit from Africa being divided or certain countries being divided. But please, like, whatever we think where our difference is, you know, whether it's religion, a culture, you know, the, the thing, those are things that can be worked out. Yeah. You know, so um, when you hear stories like this, like imagine a family, you know, who didn't even make it back and who are still there. And, you know, you're in a ma another man's country with really no pathway uh, for your future. So, um, yeah, just want to say thank you again, Mohammed. Appreciate it. You no coming problem. on the podcast. Um, as usual, it's Culture Class Podcast. You can follow us everywhere as Culture Class Podcast on all social media. Uh, reach out to us via email, culturalclasspodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website. It's cultureclasspodcast.com. If you want to reach us and you don't feel like typing, once you go to cultureclasspodcast.com, you can drop a voice note. You know, tell us, you know, you can record on your phone, drop a voice note, tell us what you think about the episode. If it's good, and maybe if you ask a question, maybe I might even and extract that audio file and put it in the episode. So um, till next week, guys, um, be well.